We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup on Thursday night against the Dallas Mavericks. Who knows who might play for the Knicks in this matchup? I'll start here. The injury report was already released on Wednesday night. Um, Jalen Brunson is listed as questionable, so we'll see if he suits up against his old team. Has not defeated his old team yet since coming to the Knicks, so we'll see what happens as far as Jalen Brunson is concerned. Josh Hart is not on the injury report. That is, we want to talk about an Iron Man. That is a guy that is intent on making sure he can play no matter what. Uh, OG Ananobi is out, and the designation is no longer, uh, the injury is no longer listed as elbow inflammation. There are now some bone spurs. We have to, to worry about bone spur irritation. Uh, for those that um, don't know what that means, there's a really good article. I'm going to pull it up real quick. I should also just mention that Quentin Grimes is listed as out. And then obviously Julius Randle is listed as out um, on the uh, website in street clothes. Uh, I tweeted out the link earlier. Uh, a guy named Jeff Stotts that is like a personal trainer or used to be a personal trainer. Uh Add some context to what OG and Obi might be dealing with. Apparently, this is something that Carmelo Anthony dealt with. If you get a surgery in season, it's not super invasive. Uh, so he could miss anywhere from like 20 to 30 days, not 20, 30 games. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ananobi is seeing a specialist right now to uh, just see what what his options are, especially headed into free agency. Uh, regardless, this was the most alarming of designations for Ananobi that we've gotten so far. This doesn't look like it's anything uh, season ending, but it may just be something annoying that won't be like he might play tonight. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'd be shocked if he's back before the all-star break. And, you know, the Knicks are obviously headed to the trade deadline, which is coming up in a little bit uh, later, later today. I'm recording this just after midnight Eastern standard time. So we'll see if the Knicks have uh, multiple new teammates for OG Ananobi to come back to by the end of the day. Uh, my conversation today is going to be with Kirk Henderson. He runs Mavs Moneyball, which is the former SB Nation site. Now it's just a really good Mavs blog. He also hosts or co-hosts Pod Maverick, which is available on all streaming platforms, including on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. 
so it's a fun conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it, especially his uh, his take on Jalen Brunson and how much how upset he still is at the Mavericks for letting Jalen Brunson go. So stay tuned for that later. A quick introduction. The Dallas Mavericks come in at 28 and 23. Eighth in the Western Conference, four and six in their last 10 games, including two back to back wins against division rivals. When I say division rivals, I mean our division rivals, the Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid and obviously little brother, the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday night. They beat them. Uh, they're 14 and 10 on the road this year. They're 10 and five against the East. They are 12 and 19 against above 500 teams. So, I mean, this is going to be a very different above 500 team that they're going to face because they're not going to be at full strength. But uh, this is a team that's also bottom five in assist percentage, bottom five in rebound percentage. They don't get to the, they don't make their free throws when they get to the line. They're bottom five in in that Uh, they're 10th in three point percentage. They do chuck up a ton of threes. They're second in three point field goals made and three point field goals attempted per game. Um, you know, they don't turn the ball over a ton. They're second in turnover percentage this year. Overall, they're 11th in offense, 22nd in defense, which is good for 17th in net rating. This is a very middle-of-the-road team, which stinks because they have Luka Doncic. And I'm going to add some historical context to what Luka Doncic is doing in year six of his career. So he's averaging 34.5 points a game, 8.8 rebounds a game, and nine point, a little more than nine assists game. Uh, nobody's ever done this. He would be the only member of the 35-9-9 and nine club. And that's just me rounding up. If you want to take his actual numbers, so 34.5, 8.8, and 9.4, uh, no one's ever done that either. In fact, I got to lower the numbers down to 32-6-6 six, and six before I find other members of this club. And in the 32-6-6 six, and six club, uh, it's James Harden twice, it's Michael Jordan twice, and it's Luka last year, and then Luka this year. That's the, the the category he finds himself in, the the club he finds himself in. If he makes first-team All-NBA this year, he'll join another exclusive club, which will be five first-team All-NBAs in his first six seasons. So let's go through some history. The players that have at least five in their first six seasons, let's start with the ones that made it all six. So Elgin Baylor, all six. Larry Bird, all six. Tim Duncan, all six. Tim Duncan made it his first eight seasons, by the way. Nine of his first ten. That's how how good Tim Duncan was for for you kids that just like, don't understand why I put Tim Duncan over Kobe all time. It's like Tim, Tim Duncan made first team all NBA all eight of his first seasons and had like four finals appearances, uh, all of which were wins in his first eight seasons. Um, Bob Pettit, um, he made it all six. Oscar Robinson made it all six. The five times in for his first six seasons, uh, Bob Cousy made it five times. George Mikan made it five times. Jerry West made it five times. Uh, four times in your first six seasons, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, Kevin Durant, Neil Johnston, who played for the Philadelphia Warriors in the 50s. He was um, uh, Wilt Chamberlain's teammate, a uh, little guy named known guy named Michael Jordan, and then Dolph Shays. I, I would also encourage you to do some research on Dolph Shays if you could. So Luke has already made it four times in his first five seasons. He's on that club. And if he makes it for a fifth year, he will become one of, I believe, if I counted right, yeah, he'll become one of nine guys to make it at least five times in his first six seasons. Uh, what you're going to hear from Kirk in a little bit 
is that the rare territory is that all of these guys that I just mentioned have playoff success or at least playoff appearances uh, in in their resume in their first six seasons. Uh, Luca is, I mean, look, they're eighth in the West right now. We'll see if a very competitive Western Conference, like they're they're eighth in the West ahead of the Lakers, ahead of the Jazz, ahead of the Warriors, and like this Rockets team, who knows what they are. But, you know, there, there's a world where he misses the playoffs in back-to-back years while also making all these all-NBA teams. So uh, it's going to be interesting to try to evaluate this start to his career with with the individual success and performance and accolades without any hint of a playoff resume outside of one Western conference finals trip that we can, we can, we can look to. Um, So I think that's enough of an intro. I believe I've I've laid the runway. Let's get into my conversation with Kirk Henderson of Mavs Moneyball and pod Maverick previewing this matchup on Thursday night between the New York Knicks and the Dallas Mavericks. Enjoy. Kirk, how you doing, man? Not bad. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate you making the time. And I know last night was a late night in Brooklyn for, for you and the Mavericks. And, you know, they, they got the win. It's two straight W's. They do find themselves in the eighth seed at the moment. So to the Knicks fan that's on the obviously outside looking in at what's going on in Dallas, please tell us off the top. How are the vibes in Dallas at the moment? Weird. Uh, it's been really an injury plagued season, you know, nowhere near as bad as somebody like the Grizzlies or something like that. But Kyrie Irving and a surprise to precisely no one or the 16 year old super fans that he seems to garner has only played about 60 percent of the games. Um, and then he and Luca, Luca's also missed about eight games due to various injuries. And then other guys that they've relied on. Um, just, you know, in past seasons, a guy by the name of Maxi Kleber, their kind of their other German guy, uh, he uh, is dislocated his toe and missed 30 games. And so they, they've they been rolling out kind of some odd lineups there. So the vibes are are mixed because they started the season eight and two and have essentially played 500 basketball since, which compared to last season is actually pretty good. So big picture, they're 28 and 23, which is much better than they were at this point last year because they they beat the Knicks in that 60 point ridiculous game that Luca had. And then they precisely died like that was the last gasp of the of the 2022, 23 Dallas Mavericks. The two um, Mavericks Knicks games last year, actually very important to the timeline of the Knicks trajectory. The the game at the Garden last year in early December was the game we all thought that was going to be Tom Thibodeau's last as Knicks head coach. And <laughs> it was a matinee that the, I'm sure you remember Tim Hardaway Jr. went off in the third quarter. They erased a 19 point deficit and the, the whispers uh, amongst the Garden faithful were that uh, if he loses another one, which is the next day against Donovan Mitchell that they didn't trade for and the Cavaliers, that Monday would be pink slip day. They ended up winning that Monday game. They changed the rotation the next day. And the rest is kind of history for the Knicks. Um, and like these expectations have never been put on this season. And, and you know, last year was a fun run. And then, you know, what's going on with the Knicks this year has been pretty cool. But I'm, I'm actually very curious the expectations that the Mavericks had coming into the season, or at least Mavericks fans had coming into the season, especially with, like you said, the the cliff that it seemed to fall off of, even with the Kyrie Irving trade. Mavericks fan expectations are absolutely ludicrous. Uh, okay. <laughs> and that's going to happen because, so when we go back to the 21-22 season, the, the year they made the Western Conference Finals, Tim Hardaway got hurt on January 31st, and then the Mavericks proceeded to win 70% of their games the rest of the year and go to the Western Conference Finals. 
They played like a six and a half, seven and a half man rotation. Thibs would have been just delighted at the amount of minutes that all the players on the Mavericks played. Uh, they wore Reggie Bullock down to to a like like dead eraser. He just can't even play basketball anymore. They they rolled out so many minutes for him, and so because of that run, a lot of Mavericks fans are like, "Well, why don't we win seventy percent of the games all the time?" And you know, it's particularly hard to do. Um, when you're very dumb, and I know we're gonna get this later, when you're very dumb franchise just lets Jalen Brunson walk. Um the timeline of that, you know, is is I think we should cover it again because it's very funny in hindsight, very maddening. But, like he wanted an extension. How do you not give him an extension even at how he was playing? Do you want to talk about it now? We can. <laughs> Could you imagine if Jalen Brunson was playing on a four for fifty-five deal right now? He'd be in year two of or three of that, maybe it doesn't matter. Year three, a, yeah, like, year three. Steel of steals of steals. It's so ridiculous. But so we'll, we'll circle back to Brunson. But so the expectations coming in 23 were pretty, pretty high, even though there was no reason for them to be. Their key offseason acquisition was JaVale McGee, who is the worst. Can't handle JaVale. Um, then last year, they just slowly died because they only had two guys who could dribble. I mean, Frank Nilakina, I know Knicks fans, there's a few Knicks fans that still really love him. He was earnest to goodness, like sometimes the second string point guard due to injuries. That can't be a thing. He can only dribble in a straight line. Uh, and so the Mavericks just sort of wore themselves down to a nub. And then they, they, I get a little annoyed with the tanking discussion because Portland tanked for like six straight years. And yet Damian Lillard is still regarded as like one of the best players of all time. Luca was forced to tank by his organization. And it's, this is a travesty to the game. And so the, the Mavericks, uh, you know, they, they go out and, and tank. They ended up with Derek Lively and uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper. Uh, draft picks, and then they start this year. And and I think the initial expectations, sorry, that's a long way of answering your question. The the initial expectations were, let's just make the playoffs. And then they went, started eight and two, and they just looked good. They did. They looked great. And then, since then, the injuries have piled up, and it's it's become kind of a war of attrition. Um, this close to the, uh, before the All-Star break is going to be very important, but it looked like they might f- go into the All-Star break under 500. That's now impossible, even if they lose to the Knicks in the next three games after that. So for me, it's a step in the right direction because I just, I just kind of want to get there. You know, I, I would take, you know, Luca in a closeout game over most players that are kind of in that mix. Maybe one exception being Steph Curry. Um, so I, 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 I would say the vibes are, are the the expectations are sort of let's just get to the playoffs and see what what can happen. So lots to unpack there. Let me let me start with just twenty and twenty one since the eight and two start and how expectations I guess have kind of changed after the injury started. Um, my follow up would be, I mean, the trade deadline is less than twenty four. In fact, twenty four hours and twenty minutes from when we're recording at the moment. What's the move that Mavericks fans want that it's not just waiting for guys to come back. It's also adding like who's the name that seems to get mentioned a ton amongst Mavericks fans. Well, there's a desperate hope for P.J. Washington from the uh, Charlotte Hornets. But Mark Stein said that's basically a no go because they're demanding a first round pick. The Mavericks only have one they can move. And if they do that, then they're kind of screwed for the rest of Lucas contract. So I think that's kind of out. Um, I've heard and read, you know, a, a little bit about perhaps a Grant Williams for um, shoot Bucks, big man, crazy eyes, punched Nero, uh, Bobby Portis, yeah, yeah, Bobby, Bobby Portis, Portis. sorry, a swap there, which um, would be like, I like it for the short term, but it's actually kind of, it's kind of catastrophic if you think about what that means, because it's, that's the first young player the Mavericks have signed to a free agent deal. And then they would trade him 50 games in. 
like whew, bad news there. Bad um, news, but just a quick follow up. Like he's been he's been pretty bad this year too, right? Oh, Grant Williams is Grant, Grant Williams might be the worst active NBA player to, to like that's talented and is getting minutes other than Andrew Wiggins. Like it's horrendous. I f- it's it's like watching a a pitcher with the yips. Because you know he knows what to do. He's just not doing it. And he's getting a lot of chances. Like there was a cut, like he, his turnover log in the last uh, series of games, he has eight field goals and 10 turnovers. Like that, you can't, you can't do that as a role player. You just can't. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if there's something there. Uh, Josh Green, their 2020 first round draft pick, uh, kind of much maligned by Mavs fans because he wasn't Desmond Bain or Tyrese Maxey or some of the guys that were picked. He's rounded out into a pretty nice player, but the problem is he's a six, four shooting guard. No matter what anyone will say, he is not a, a, a wing. Um, I just, the Mavericks are just real small. So I think if there's a trade to be made, it's to get some size because Luka Doncic realistically shouldn't be your second biggest guy on the floor in every matchup. And he usually is most nights. So based on the expectations and how they've, I guess, I mean, not the unreasonable ones that Mavericks fans have had. And we just talked about Grant Williams, but I mean, the scapegoat of an NBA season, it, it bounces around a ton. I just had a, a Lakers person on because we talked to preview the Lakers game. And it's like anywhere from the coach to the front office to D'Angelo Russell to LeBron. Is there a scapegoat for all of this? Because with what's gone wrong with if, if you can actually say things have gone wrong in Dallas. I, I, to me, things haven't gone as wrong as it feels because you're again, you're five games over 500 and you were out of the playoffs last year. This is a step in the right direction. And, you know, game to game, there's some pretty – they should have some more wins. They've lost some really winnable ones. I would say the game to game scapegoat is almost always head coach Jason Kidd, who just – I mean, his postgame quotes are often incredible. He just he, – he, he takes no responsibility. He doesn't coach during the game. Watch him next to Thibs. He just he, – he, he puts his hands in his pockets and stands there. He never gets into the refs. He never gets into the players. Um, so you feel a, a, a lot of times, and this is a, a bit of a loaded statement, but you can feel like the inmates are running the asylum to a degree because you'll watch Luca lose his mind, as is the kind of player Luca is. It started to trickle down to the other players. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. has picked up three texts in the last couple of weeks. It's like Timmy, Knicks fans, old Knicks fans probably have a love hate relationship with Timmy the way Mavs fans do because he's just such a loose cannon of a player sometimes. Kind of but, an apathetic relationship towards Timmy, to be honest. He was, he's a, but he's, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a guy. He was traded twice. Like it's tough to actually right. have a feeling toward him. You he's, know, he's a guy. And so yeah. as a guy, you can't get texts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just sort of bled down to where it feels like there's a like a little bit of a and it starts with Mark Cuban, frankly, because he sits there screaming on the sidelines. There's like an institutional lack of composure that that kind of plagues this team. And and that that's partially why they're not better uh, beyond like just the lack of talent. So I, I would say if there's a scapegoat, it would be just sort of the 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 notion that we need to get to the playoffs. And by putting that as the key goal, you can sometimes develop really bad habits, which I think is an element of what the Mavericks have done on top of the injuries that they've had. Well, so the end of last season being what it was and how they they missed the play in altogether and were able to you mentioned tanking. And I would just say as a Knicks fan, as the, the team currently owns control over the Mavs pick, sure. I'm not the Knicks fan that like 
screamed bloody murder or like this is an outrage i i respected the oh, chess move i forgot I, how mad knicks fans got about right, that right because this was that turning was out bad. to be the perfect season like <laughs> you know how because you brought up the 60 point game like which i'm sure mavericks fans view that game as lucas 60 point triple double right the knicks blew a nine point lead in 30 seconds like was, it's an outcome that was, that was that's one in fourteen thousand two hundred and eighty three, i believe so i you can see i have that number memorized um we were able to spin zone both the first Dallas loss and the second Dallas loss as well. It's going to help us get their pick because they're get, we'll have one too many games. And then it, it ended up being that you ended up with a 10th pick anyway. I guess my, my question is more about the, the outcome this season. I know it's a weak draft, but do, do you personally, and maybe do you speak about half of Mavericks fans that you just want the pick to convey now? Oh, yeah. so that way you can get the protections gone and, the Porzingis deal is officially done after that. I think that's I, I think that's right. Um, mainly just just to, to convey. There's also like the historical implications. Um, my my podcast co-host Josh Bo wrote a piece with like ten games left that essentially implied. I mean, it didn't imply. It stated players of Luca's historical value, i.e., guys that make multiple All NBA first teams, do not miss the playoffs at all. Period. There are no instances of it with guys that have done it. Luca was the first. So I don't think you can become the first guy to not make the playoffs twice. <laughs> and, and I, you know, and, and, and as the season wears along, you know, we're the, my coast and I were looking at this recent stretch where the Mavericks were going to play Philadelphia, the um, Brooklyn, the Knicks, like there's just like a three or four game stretch. Oh, and then the, the Bucks, where it was like, geez, that's a terrible run of games. We're gonna and then so far they're they're playing about five hundred basketball. So as as the year goes on, I think that will end up happening where rough patches of the schedule will become wins and the Mavericks will probably make the play in slash playoffs just because other teams will will kind of give up. Um, even if this draft is is looking at being historically uh like like almost the year 2000 level weird where there are no good, like not like good players, but there's not anybody that you're like, Oh, I'm going to guess we're going to draft Kenyon Martin. Number one, exciting, you know, kind of thing. So it, that's kind of my, my hope at least. And, you know, injuries obviously play a big factor. Fluke and Kyrie can't play, you know, 65% of the remaining games together. That's going to be pretty tough, but you know, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic at this point that that'll happen. So that's that's just sort of where where I land. Well, it's funny you you mentioned the um the the schedule breaking right for you and how you went into this little gauntlet if you want to call it a gauntlet and yeah, like well like Embiid goes down so you don't have to play him. I'm not a hundred percent sure Jalen Brunson's going to play in this game on Thursday night. He turned his ankle on Tuesday against the Grizzlies. Knicks are just, they're lacking bodies that can walk at the moment. Josh Hart is limping around. Isaiah Hartenstein's playing on a bad Achilles. He's trying to get to all-star break kind of I, thing. That's, that's the focus. And it's funny because under Tibbs, it's almost as if you have to maximize. Like, guys just don't sit. Like, Julius Randle was an Iron Man Last year, it was, like, impossible to get any Nick rotation player to, to miss a game for unless they were legitimately injured. And it was like a long-term thing. Like no guys missed games. And now because of the Ananobi trade, it's almost changed the mindset. It's like, all right, we now know what this looks like when it's healthy and working. So it's, it's this weird shift in like, okay, 
we can take some load management days if we need to to make sure that guys aren't aren't yeah. limping well, into and, the playoffs. And the Knicks you know, were fun. The Knicks were a fun counterpoint when we were when our our show and and Mavs Moneyball, the website I run, was complaining about the minute stuff because the Knicks were on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of having multiple lineups with a hundred plus possessions and a hundred plus minutes and whatnot. Whereas the Mavericks, as recently as three games ago, I've not looked at the data in a bit only had one lineup with more than a hundred possessions the entire season. And so that's why like, I, you know, I hate making the injury excuse, but that's where I circle back to because sometimes the injury bug just bites you at a certain point in the year. Like no team is like the Memphis Grizzlies, which is bringing in like their bloggers off the street basketball for them. Do you see that real small guy that's playing for them? Yep. Last night. And he had a pretty good game too. That's pretty good. (laughs) He blocked Steph Curry. That was it. Anyway. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's sort of where I am at the moment. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With the NBA season more than midway through and the NFL season with just three games left, now is as good a time as any to pick combo projections across sports from the Specials League. For example, on any given night, take Jalen Brunson over in points, Julius Randle over in rebounds, or OG Ananobi over in steals. Then combine it with two NFL props, like Patrick Mahomes over in passing yards, or Christian McCaffrey over in touchdowns. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. I go into this next part of the conversation about Luca. And like that 60 point triple double and like what he just he's averaging 34, eight and nine on the season at the moment. And I guess it's kind of loops into the scapegoat conversation, but I don't like I've never had a player as good as Luka Doncic, as great as I think Jalen Brunson is, I've like or as great as I thought Carmelo Anthony is. I've never had someone that good play for my team. So in your perspective, how much is missing the playoffs last year and where they stand in the standings this year on him? Or is it really just like he's the only good thing that's like consistently working and consistently available on this team? I mean, it's really tough because if you're the kind of old school basketball player and fan that looks at how the game ought to be played and says, that guy has the ball too much. You're doing too much. He he stands around when he doesn't have the ball, blah, 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 blah. I think that's actually a really fun. It's a fun argument. But then I ask you to walk through the Mavericks roster with me and I want you to tell me beyond Kyrie because Kyrie's been hurt a lot that, you know, what else, like, who do you want to, to shoot the ball? Who do you want to, to make plays? Um, and the Mavericks by and large have done an atrocious job building around Luka Doncic. They got Luka and Brunson in one draft. And I think if you were to go through their transactions, you would find as many as four out of every five was not just bad, but like catastrophic. I mean, the, Brunson, I, I remember he didn't play in the in the um, 
second Clippers playoff series because Rick Carlisle exiled him and played uh, another former Nick. What the Trey heck was Burke, his name? Trey Burke. Trey Burke we, over we, him. We bring that up a lot out here at Nick's film school. And it's just like, what are you doing institutionally to where that is a choice? Trey Burke had no suitors. None. He was not playing on an NBA roster. The Mavericks brought him in for a 10 day to go to, to go to the 2020 um, bubble. And then they signed him to a multi-year deal. He was not getting offers. Willie Cauley Stein, JaVale McGee, uh, uh, Josh Richardson, some of their big sign, like Christian Wood. Like, what are we doing? Like, I get that Luca is a mercurial, difficult player. And, but start like, there's an argument to be made that every every player that comes in to play with a superstar like that needs to adjust their game to the superstar, just like LeBron James. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that as a, as a kind of a fan and a consumer of the team product because I want to see wins, but I at least understand the argument. So I think Luca bears a little bit of responsibility in the sense of he acquiesced to head coach Jason Kidd. Yes, he did not put his foot down further about Jalen Brunson. Didn't happen. There's not been a lot of Luca involvement in some of this stuff. He did put his foot in the in the mix to say go get Kyrie because he was exhausted. And I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure that that was the was the right call. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like especially after like the the Brunson of it all, we can just have the Brunson conversation now if, if you'd like. The that being the cardinal sin, it sounds like I'm just getting your vibe right now that that's the thing you hold against the franchise the most in the not building around Luka Doncic correctly. I mean, I think that I, it's a talent. It's a talent judgment. He's been in your house for three years. I understand if you don't if you didn't see that he was going to become what he is right now. I think that's completely defensible. But was he a functional, useful player that was going to be a regular rotation starter for years to come if you liked him? Yes. The Mavericks opted not, you know, this is, this is on record from Tim McMahon. Uh, Rick Brunson sometimes I think sort of bends facts that, that work to his narrative. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I know for a fact that Jalen Brunson wanted to sign the four year, $55 million extension that the Mavericks had available, but never actually offered. And the Mavericks now say and have been saying, well, we didn't want to offend him with that offer because he's too good. In like rewind the clock and you go and look at that year. He kid didn't even start putting him in the starting lineup until January. He was still a sixth man. You can make the argument that he, you know, I don't think he knew how good he was. That's why he was willing to take that. And so that's the, and, and they didn't want to do it because they wanted to have the flexibility to trade him. He was making like $1.7 million a year. Look at the trade market nowadays. You can't trade anyone that doesn't make at least uh, eight figures. So small, like low six figure or seven figure guys, you can't do anything with them. So that's just like, a, like such a calculated, unbelievably bad misstep. And then it, it, it you know, everything from there. I, you know, we know the the tampering. I don't even care. Like everybody tampers. The Knicks got caught. Who cares? I, um, I don't. I'm very happy that they tampered personally. Yeah, it's so. fine. Like who's this? I want. Like I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and all these people love to tell me it's like, oh, the refs love the Chiefs. You know what I say? It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. When it works for your team, <laughs> it actually works. I don't you care. Know. Like I like like I I want to win. So that that's sort of where I settle. And and with with the the Brunson situation, it just was. When Mark Cuban went on television and said, we can offer him more money, by that point, the deal was done. 
That's embarrassing. Everybody within the Mavericks organization was like, why is he saying this? And it's all a PR war because Mark Cuban would rather kind of be in front of the fans and, and look like he's doing the right thing than, than do the right thing. It drives me nuts sometimes. So then my question is like, there's an element to this I don't think has ever been really discussed. And maybe we can have the conversation because the four for 55 is, is we were, we noted it because we knew who Jalen Brunson's agent and godfather was. We knew that Rick Brunson was being brought into the staff at game. some point. Yeah. Right? Like we, we tracked the not in the starting five. We you saw can track the it back to when he was drafted because the agent specifically asked Donnie Nelson, do not include that fourth year provision. Let's just forget and do that as a favor to me. This was a that long and drawn out plan. It's brilliant. I'll go a step further. There's a part of me that wonders if Leon Rose takes a job a year earlier and is part of the negotiations for the Porzingis trade. If instead of Dennis Smith Jr., it's not Jalen Brunson in the sure. trade. Like sure. that could have been the, the the sliding doors moment there. But like the Mavs could have just offered him, especially off that playoff run. Like Cuban's right. They could have offered him more money and just outbid the Knicks. Like it would have been seen as an overpay. But you keep him in house. It's just money. You have his bird rights. Is that at all talked about amongst the Mavericks, like the, your audience or just at all that like if you just out- outbid the Knicks, then yes, it's looked at as a bit of an overpay. But like worst case scenario, you still have all your other assets to get a third guy next to what point? Next to that, what, at what point are we talking over? Like like that his the- free agency, his free agency. Yeah, I, I don't even know I, I if I remember everything correctly, they had sort of a walk away figure that was like four for 125, like something like that. I could be getting the numbers wrong, but it ultimately doesn't matter. But I think if you have a walk away figure with the way that Rick Brunson had been able to sort of maneuver the Mavericks back into a corner, I don't think you're getting him for anything short of the actual max. That's sort of my my just opinion. And would you have been comfortable point, with them giving him a max at that point? At that point in time, I don't think so. No, okay. It, you know, it's that's just just because of asset allocation, not mm-hmm. him. It's just if you if you're paying two small two guys who aren't in Brunson's pretty good for defense for his size, but he's still six foot tall. So it's like you're paying a backcourt that's not great defensively, eleven bajillion dollars. Like it's just it's hard to build around that. Um, yeah. And also just the usage of it all. Uh, I want to say it was on uh, the Kevin O'Connor and um, was the mismatch show. They were sort of talking about this. Just like, let's just revisit the Brunson thing. And I think it was Chris Vernon who said something, you know, it's like you never would have thought that Brunson would go out and score 40 points. And then I think Kevin O'Connor responded to the fact that it's like, yeah, true. But the Mavericks still have the guy who went and scored 70 points. So if you're having to pick as much as you, I love Brunson because I do. Um, I didn't for a while. It used to drive me crazy. Uh, but it, it, as much as you, as much as you love Brunson, you still gotta pick Luca in a one or the other choice. That's just the way you know. The Knicks, I think Knicks fans do the same thing. That said, I think it's worked out unbelievably well. He's such an important um locker room guy. Like that's probably the most underestimated thing the Mavericks really messed up on beyond because he just he brings good vibes all the time. All the time, like there's never, and you know, with somebody like Luca's mercurial, you need that. You need that guy who's just going to lift people up at all times. And like, like Brunson is an incredible leader, and that's that's almost as valuable as as everything else he's giving the next from a statistical point of view. It's a leader we've we haven't had in a long time, and I'm like a big Carmelo Anthony guy, and even I have to admit, like he more led on the court that everybody knew, like oh he's. 
He's due to get buckets. He's going to be able to be the best offensive player on the court. But all of his teammates just talk about how it was like awesome to play with him and cool to chill with him. It was never like he's going to galvanize this team to, you know, beat LeBron and whoever they were playing in whatever series. Um, I do have to ask about Luca and his future. And I, I mean, you've, you've painted a picture that they've not built as well as they possibly could around a guy with the ceiling that he has. I know he, he's like far away from any hint of like free agency or leaving, but like, what's your, what's your nervous level at the moment that like, they'll never get it right around him and he'll get too frustrated. Medium. Um, I think with the, the, his next, his super, like whatever you call it, the, the, the extension that's after the, the third contract, I guess. Let's call it the super duper max. Yeah. Yeah. His, the numbers on that are beyond insane. To where I want to say the Mavericks can offer a hundred million more than any other team. He might not care about money. He might say he doesn't care about money. It's a hundred million, a lot of money. <laughs> his players, his players' union is going to care about that, though. That's the that's right. the thing, you know. Right, and you know, then you say, okay, well, he could sign, and then he could demand a trade elsewhere. We've seen how well that's worked out. Well, Dame did also, get to move. I will say that Dame did sign the extension and then move, you know, but that, then it becomes such a dollar figure where if he's making like 65 or $70 million a year, I don't know if the NBA teams can actually trade that much like in season. I know you can do it in the off season where the rules are a little more relaxed, but in season, don't you have to come within 10% of like the, the, the thing? Like, could you yeah. imagine coming up with $65 million worth of contracts? That's I can't horrifying. see a player that good getting traded in season, to be honest. Yeah, it feels like right. it would be an off season. Like he signs his extension and then I don't think I'm creating a complete hypothetical here, sure. but it's the legit scenario that that happened with Dame where he signed his extension, the waiver or the, the, the ability to trade him then became available a year later or six months later. And then the following off season, if that season went poorly, you would then address a trade demand then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so I, from a, just a logistical point of view, I find it to be very difficult. Now, he has a player option on the end of the current deal, which is where the leverage point comes in for him. And so I think as recently as this summer, he can really start saber rattling. But he shouldn't need to saber rattle. If you're not performing to where you have a shot at the Western Conference Finals with a guy who will make, and I think it's going to happen again this year, I think he's going to make his fifth first all team all nba team in a row mm-hmm. if, if you're playing with a guy that is that functional and you know i know a lot of people can't stand him but there's no denial of his talent if you're not able to do something with him that starts to rest on you as much as it does him i mean it's 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 a very silly situation because you know the it, it seems to have happened with almost every early all nba player of the last 20 years LeBron James, Anthony Davis, where you want to hurry up and and move move the the timeline along. If I was to have to do it all over again, and I sort of said this at the time because I was really worried about Kristaps Porzingis' injury history, though I, I think it's almost understated how well he's bounced back from the absurd number of injuries he's had. I wouldn't have traded for him in in 2019 there because they handed the keys to Luca at that point. Kristaps did not understand that Luca was better than him. Um, that was very much obvious, though he came to understand it. And so giving a 19-year-old guy, no matter how talented the keys to the franchise, has come with risks that I, and, and challenges that 
the Mavericks just have never corrected. I mean, Luca's going to be a passionate guy his entire life, but no one can get through to him about this ref bitching stuff. It doesn't even matter if he's right. Like he had, he finished a, a, and one last night that was just a textbook continuation and NBA referee, Mark Davis, who's looking right at it goes, no, it's on the floor. And this stuff happens to him throughout the games because they don't like him. And everyone will say, well, referee's supposed to be impartial. Referee's a human being. If you get cursed at, you know, 12 times a year by uh, the same guy over and over, and they know, even if it's another language, they're not stupid. They're going to start to hold that stuff against you. And so he, he's, he doesn't, he, he needs to grow up a little bit more and he needs to take more of an active leadership role because what he does with his body language, and you'll see this tomorrow night, um, if the Knicks, uh, come out and, you know, punch the Mavericks in the mouth. He drops his head. He doesn't get back on D. The Mavericks have one of the worst transition defenses in the league. And the root function is, is, is Luca because he doesn't get back because he's too busy talking. Um, and so there, there, there's just a lot that comes with him that y- you need stronger support around him. You need a better coach. You would have thought a, a guy like Jason Kidd would get into his ass and he just doesn't. He, I mean, he went on Dallas radio the other day. And talked about how he thinks Luca could be one of the best players of all time. Why are you kissing his rear like that? Even if it's true, which I'm not sure it is, but even if it's true, what what does that get you? Do you think he cares that you're kissing his butt in public? He wants to win basketball games, and and kid is just not a great coach. You know, they're the the our, our the Mavericks GM is a former shoe executive, and the owner is Mark Cuban, and everybody has their opinions about Mark Cuban, and whatever your opinion is, there's probably some truth to it. They're painting a picture of a of a scenario that's not not conducive to eventually build something around him. I'll, I will I just think, will yeah. say from from my yeah. objective perspective no, here. I mean, they, they finally did something smart where they 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 drafted a functional player and got lucky with Derek Lively. But the Mavericks front office, for the better part of my time as a Mavericks fan, going back to even Dirk Nowitzki, was billed through free agency. And I just I just don't think that's the you've got to have a mix. And the Mavericks have had some luck drafting the last several years because I, I do think there's more to it than luck. You know, you can see. Some of the best franchises that we have right now that have done a good job by drafting your Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, it's it's to a certain extent, even your Golden State Warriors, even though they I'm sure their fans are like sick of some of their younger players. You just got to you got to build. You can't always acquire because you you can have these best laid plans. and, And most of the time they don't come to fruition because there's 30 other teams also planning just sort of drives me nuts. Yeah. And look, I the Knicks are I'm not even putting the Luka to the Knicks thing out there because I don't think that's any a realistic scenario at the moment. Maybe in a couple of years we can have, we can do another podcast and have that conversation. But um, as far as this matchup is concerned on Thursday night, you mentioned the Mavericks being on a, on a New York road trip between playing little brother on Tuesday night. Now coming into the garden on Thursday, as I mentioned, the Knicks are, are extremely banged up and it may benefit the Mavericks. Uh, I, I was looking through some of the lineup data and the Luca Kyrie tandem is off the charts offensively. I just, I mean, if Brunson doesn't play, you're not even like sweating this game, right? Probably anyway, just because they're still very three point dependent. The Mavericks are never really out of a game because they're so three point dependent, but sometimes they're also never far enough ahead. 
Um, they were beating Brooklyn by 26 last night, and it got down to a six-point game at one point in time. That's just sort of the way the Mavericks play. The secret matchup that no one will ever talk about other than me is the fact that Luka Doncic on the road with time to go out and nightlife is a dangerous ass. It's a dangerous pairing, like flat out. Um, he has a newborn baby at home about two months old. So you can, I, I've seen him at some Mavs games where he just like any granted millionaire. He probably has help, whatever, but you still have a two month old baby at home, which is very, I have a three month old right now. It is taxing. You sort of lose your mind sometimes. So Luca out on the road where he's no longer having to be daddy Luca wouldn't shock me if he lets loose a little bit in some of these other towns and you can just tell from the opening tip you watch his body language frankly you watch you watch his face coloring we used to have a it's not near as bad as it used to be but the first two years you could tell pink face luca was a guy that had a good time the night before um it doesn't happen near as much now because he's 24 he's been going out professionally since he was 16 but i think he's finally figured out that like it does yes impact his performance <laughs> so you know, is New York nightlife undefeated? That's that's kind of the the, the matchup that I would want to hang out there. We've seen a couple of schedule losses like that. They recently beat Denver on the end of a road trip where they like they beat them by like 40 points. And it was like everybody healthy. Jokic went off, but nobody else did. They beat Utah last week. And it was the second night of a back-to-back for Utah, the first night being in Brooklyn. Um, so, look, I... If Brunson doesn't play, I don't like the Knicks' chances. I will say that there's just a, a characteristic of this Thibodeau team is no matter who's in the game, they're going to play play hard, and you're going to have to like like there's as lack of as much as lack of talent may come into play, and just the the Mavericks having the two best players, maybe the three best players on the floor. Um, I I would hope that may, may, you know what I'll send Lucas some dinner reservations or recommendations <laughs> tonight if I have to. Like, hey, check out this place in the West Village. Why not? And let's go check a movie out in Lincoln Center. Why, like, Luca? It's on me, even you know. Well, we'll make sure that you enjoy New York as much as possible. Although it would technically, would make sure it's on him with the salary that he makes. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Speaking of the Knicks, just your outsider or, or your faraway perspective of what's going on with the Knicks. So 33 and 18, made the NNOB trade. Like, what was your reaction when they made the NNOB trade and then saw what it did to their team? I was a little surprised because Ananobi is one of those guys that I, I I didn't properly value. And so seeing him in a very different context has forced me to reevaluate all my priors. And the fact that he seems like um, much more of a finishing touch piece to a team 
that is probably much closer to true title contention than I would have really understood. Um, I, I've watched, you know, your coach for years. I actually sat next to him in a summer league game the first time I went in 2018 and just uh. I have, uh, I've, I've on my phone, I have some video of him yelling and like just his incredible voice. And so it's, you know, I've, I've been, I've just, I was skeptical of, 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 a, of a Thibodeau coach team being able to play in the current NBA just because he's such a grinder. And so it's really fascinating and interesting to see that he's built and the Knicks have built him a team of guys that work with his philosophy and also the modern NBA, which is fascinating. And, you know, one of the things that, that Mavs fans probably don't realize, like Mitchell Robinson's out for forever. And so what happens when you add him back into the mix? There's just a lot of, of you know, signs pointing, nor- pointing north for the Knicks in the right way, which has got to be really um, – it's really, it's got to be really exciting and really fun because when you suffer for a really, really long time, which I frankly never have as a Mavs fan, um, you, you deserve that. You deserve that. Uh, you deserve your your faith being rewarded every every great now and again. So it's it's got to be a lot of fun on on that end of things. Um, I think the Knicks are kind of an easy team to root for, maybe in no small part because the superstar element and the team is just more likable. Like I just I have like a blood oath against Joel Embiid and the Boston Celtics, and so it's it's nice. Like it, the Knicks are probably more fun to root for for me than any other Eastern Conference team. They, they're they doing all of this without a max contract on their roster. Which you is know? pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, they, it's a bunch of underdogs. Guys, they, like, as you, we've obviously documented how Brunson ended up on the Knicks, but Julius Randle, who won't play in this game because of a dislocated shoulder, but the guy was just, like, released by the Lakers to, like, you're free to, like, we're just waiving your our rights to your, your second rookie contract. Like, you have, you're on a rookie contract, you're gone. Like, we just want to make as much room as possible to sign LeBron James. Um, he then goes to New Orleans and plays with LeBron's teammate for, for a season, or LeBron's new teammate for a season with Anthony Davis, and then they just let him walk after they, they draft Zion Williamson, and he was the consolation prize to, as you remember, the Knicks traded Porzingis because they were going to get Zion and Kyrie and KD and he ended up with Julius Randle and three all-star teams and two all NBA teams later he's more than outperformed uh, his contract so I I, I think the the way that they're signing like role players like Hartenstein and DiVincenzo and even even like Precious Achua this thing has been so weird that he was a throw-in in the Ananobi trade, and now he's like starting games and like being actually productive. he's actually quite good, yeah. Contributing, like he grabbed 16 rebounds in a game last week. It's actually pretty insane. Uh, last thing before you get out of here, I like to wrap up with uh, getting your perspective on rivalries. So I call it the Mount Rushmore of rivals, the four teams that you look forward to playing on the NBA calendar. That like whether it's historical and they just the rivalry goes back far, or whether it's a new rivalry that's brewed. Who are the four teams that you consider the Mount Rushmore of Mavericks rivals? I would say five years ago, 10 years ago, the teams would be very different um, just because, you know, the, the Mavericks and Spurs just have a historical, you know, Dirk Duncan with Duncan winning most of those. That's but that's not really the same as what we're talking about now. Like nowadays, I really look forward to playing like the number one team has to be the Phoenix Suns. Um, Luca and uh, Devin Booker like genuinely do not like each other. I mean, I think they're, they're probably cool in locker rooms and all star stuff, but like they they get very close to physicality when they when they they play each other and the Mavericks have won just enough of those games to where I, I think it's a, a but the, the Suns have also won enough to where I think it's a, a like a true true rivalry game I also um 
would really put the Nuggets up there um, just because they're they're sort of the Western Conference measuring stick for very obvious reasons. But I also like seeing like the styles make fights of Luka Doncic versus uh, Jokic because despite their being from, you know, similar part of the world and, and everybody always tying them together because they're both uh, you know, uh, uh, from, from that part of the world that they play basketball so very differently. Um, that's probably like my, my top two. I also really like, uh, this is an odd one, but this goes back to, um, the bubble. Uh, whenever the Dallas Mavericks play the Milwaukee Bucks, the basketball games are just fantastic. Luca and, and Giannis seem to have a very, like very friendly, it almost turned nasty a couple of games ago because Giannis kicked Luca in the stomach on one of his wild bullshit yeah, body plays. I saw that. He just, yeah. <laughs> it looked like it looks like the Stone Cold getting ready to set up to do the stunner. Um, I was really hoping that Giannis would do that. Uh, that was great th- imagery, by the way. <laughs> you painted that picture really well, and it's very accurate. And then too. that that one's that one's probably up there for me. Um, and then it's 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 you know just because it's the Luca era versus the Dirk Nowitzki era, I always really get a kick out of playing the Atlanta Hawks. Um, just because had to deal with their fans for the better part of three years, trying to act like there was any sort of comparison between Trey and Luca, and there's not. And then Luca scored seventy three points. I was going to say, I bet the (laughs) seventy three point game was pretty sweet. As was finding kind of a nail in that coffin, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Even though the Mavericks won that game, right? Yes, but they needed every single stinking point. Okay, just making sure. I so I, I knew that there was a string of games where guys scored six. Like okay, Cat scored sixty two, lost, and then Booker scored sixty plus and lost. Steph just scored sixty plus and okay, but the Mavericks won the game that Lucas scored seventy plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, listen, as someone who found himself in a weird two year rivalry with the Hawks because of one playoff series that Julius Randle just like was not able to be the just number died. one guy. I just like, oh. it was like a house of cards that he was like keeping up afloat all season. And then in one playoff series, they were like, let's just stop him. That and one then the whole thing collapsed. Series, <laughs> isn't that one playoff series primarily responsible for why Julius Randolph's like career playoff numbers look like he is a corpse. Look like the way they do. Yeah. He shot yeah. 27% in that series. Yeah. <laughs> That's it was so like, hard to do. Right. And he was like the highest volume guy. And the, but like the thing is Kirk, like, he was the high, like he was successful at every single shot that he was given in that series or forced to take. He made that all season. Like that blueprint worked for all 72 games of that COVID shortened season. And then in one playoff series, shot six for 24 in game one, and he never regained any hint of form. And what's funny is like, I, re- I remember that series so vividly that in game one, hit his first three, and it was like, oh, okay, Randall's going off for 35 tonight. And you know what's even crazier? He averaged 38 points a game in his four matchups, like three matchups against the Hawks that year, too. So it was very much like th- this is a team he could take care of. He's historically taken care of until the playoffs happen. So, um, yeah. Well, Kirk, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I look forward to this matchup. Almost solely because it may end up being the the wall that whoever's left of the Knicks playing against Luca, and I can just kind of watch it without expectations and see if Luca can get sixty in the Garden. Uh, but maybe Jalen Brunson will play against his old uh, his I old bet team. He will. Yeah, I think has he not like, has not beaten his old team since since the which since is really leaving, funny because it was almost it was, it was the reverse when the Mavericks traded for Porzingis. Dallas could not win 
any of those matchups. I think it was like four games in a row that were just disgusting. Where I was like, I was that was where I really grew grew to be frustrated by KP. But yeah, that should be a fun game. I'm looking forward to it. And it also, I I just I I so love the early like the early TNT game because it means when we're cut, done covering the game, I get to go to bed before like two a.m. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's all. All the same for us here in New York, where the game ends around 9 30, 10 o'clock, and then we're doing a post game for an hour and a half, two hours. It's the West Coast. It's actually the 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 Dallas game in Dallas where it's like, oh, this is a nine o'clock start that we yeah, have those to. Those are brutal. The worst. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the West Coast trips being a lot worse to us for sure. So terrible. I, did, when I, I lived in Washington, D.C. for several years, and I don't know how I did this. Just covering the West Coast games. This is awful. So it's, yeah. it's nice. It's nice when games start at, at human being times, man. So. It, I, the, th- those time zones, especially the West Coast time zones, I are the ones I I get up for. I went to <laughs> to Vegas for a for a conference in college, and it was like during the NBA playoffs, and I was like, oh. It's it's three o'clock and there's an oh, NBA game basketball. going. <laughs> I know, that's Great. interesting. <laughs> this right. is new. I like this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Kirk. Before you get out of here, plug what you'd like to plug for all the fine folks at home. Uh, you can find our podcast, uh, Pod Maverick. It's on all various podcast platforms. We're on YouTube. We go live after every game, uh, just because uh, I frankly find it easier to record live than to edit. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky secret about going live. There's no video editing. Plug it out there. It's all there. Your fuck ups are out there. And then um, I also run MavsMoneyBall.com, which is a SB Nation based website. And, you know, like uh, along the lines of like posting and toasting. And so we, um, I don't know, our work waxes and wanes (laughs) because most of us are like lightly compensated volunteers, but it's, it's fun trade deadline stuff. We've got a lot of stuff up now. If you're interested at all in the Mavericks and you want to see a screed of a game recap, if the Mavericks lose to the Knicks, that could be fun for everybody. Um, But yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Of course. Thank you, Kirk. Once again, a big thank you to Kirk for coming on today's show and helping me preview this matchup against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you know what to do. The KFS bump, as we like to call it, head on over to Pod Maverick. The link to the iTunes uh, uh, feed is in the episode description if you want to give him a five-star rating. If you want to just go to his most recent episode of Pod Maverick and say, you know, Congrats on defeating little brother. We hope you go down on Thursday night against the Knicks. But thank you for going on Knicks Film School. I'd greatly appreciate it. I'm sure they would uh, uh, be amused by the kind words over there, even though they don't end up being kind. Um, As far as I'm concerned, a special episode coming for you Saturday morning. I think you're really going to enjoy what we do to preview the Pacers game. Um, I will say that there's a lot that has to happen before then. So here on Thursday from two to 4 PM Eastern standard time, the Knicks are obviously got the trade deadline. We'll see what moves they make. Uh, we'll be going live at two o'clock at, at the latest. So at two o'clock PM Eastern, we will be live on our YouTube channel and all streaming platforms. So it's YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you name it. Um, if the Knicks make a move before that, we will go live then. So if they go live at 11, if they make a move at 11, we'll go live. If they make move at 6 a.m., we'll go live. Uh, but we will be ready to react to an emergency live stream um, or just go live at 2 o'clock and see what the Knicks do uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. So uh, stay tuned for that. Please join us. We, we love interacting with, with all of you live when we possibly can. Uh, and if you dig this episode, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. I would greatly appreciate it. But until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy the game tonight. Good luck surviving the trade deadline. And I'll speak with you soon. Peace. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.